You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Ooh, welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. In the Cardinal Sports Center studios, part of the Republic of Football podcast feed. Got a couple of guests today from the Cincy Slangins podcast. I've got Hummer and Coomer, a couple of great names, by the way. <laughs> a couple of great names as we welcome you guys in. How y'all doing tonight? Pretty good. It was supposed to be our slogan for our presidential run here uh, in the upcoming presidential election. We'll, this is our first time being eligible to make that run. It was going to be be Hummer Coomer. That was the platform. I'd vote. But now Hummer's jumped on VP, as you can see. So I guess I'm, I'm assuming the role of president here eventually. And this is our first, you know, I guess we're, we're launching in the same way other candidates might be launching on a, on a niche Texas Tech podcast yeah. in, in May. Yeah. Let's do it. We'll go Twitter Spaces later and do that. Yeah, this is this is a first for us. Um, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> we can We're add that to the good. list. Yeah. Well, uh, like Rob said, we appreciate y'all joining us. And for our listeners out there, what we're doing this summer is kind of taking a virtual tour of the entire Big 12, especially with new folks like Cincinnati coming in. Um, just want to give our Texas Tech listeners sort of a sense of the state of other football programs and what your fan base, what your football culture is like, all that good stuff. And I think we'll find we probably have some common ground uh, for better, like on the Mahomes-Kelsey connection, or for worse, like on the Tommy Tuberville connection. I know our fans have questions about your cuisine, and so we'll get into all of it. Um, but first, why don't you all just go ahead and introduce yourselves, introduce your podcast, and then we'll get into the rest of the conversation. Well, my name is uh, Zach Coomer. As you alluded to, I go by Coomer on the podcast. We, we lean into the last names and their similarities. We host the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Sports podcast and have done so since 2019. It actually started as a basketball podcast. So there was a time where you may not have had us on because I'm not even sure you guys cover basketball much. You can let us know whether you do or don't. Um, but we are, we are very much a fan podcast. We do not break a ton of news but we do share tons of opinions and thoughts on all things Cincinnati Bearcats sports, primarily football and basketball. We're so bad at breaking news that we had renderings of the new practice facility that we, we just had spent $140 million to break ground on for like three weeks and just sat on them. Didn't, 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 didn't do anything with it. We just, you know, enjoyed, kept, kept the joy to ourselves. Cowardice. We'll have to get into uh, indoor practice facilities later because Texas Tech has one under construction right now. And funny enough, those renderings leaked on a public Dropbox link uh, that like started circulating the message boards and all that. Um, I think just like the day before it was supposed to be publicly released. So it wasn't out there very early. I think we could have technically like blasted that out on Twitter and made that even more public than it already was. But a little bit of a snafu there. Rob, I see your your name is fan of chili. Do we want to just dive right into the skyline chili and just get that out of the way early? 
Yeah, well, one of the questions in the mailbag later is why do you call your chili sauce or why do you call your sauce chili or something to that effect? Um, there's chocolate, there's cinnamon, there's lots of things working there in the Skyline Chili. Uh, first of all, what is it? Well, it's chili. Okay. So, you know, alluding to it or referring to it as sauce feels a bit derogatory, feels aggressive. I, I said, I, I know it's, I know it's one of the listeners. I just no want to bag. put that out there. Uh, it's very much a Cincinnati chili. I know, you know, people generally do refer to it as Skyline Chili. That is, that is a brand in Cincinnati and it's the strongest band brand, uh, the most notable. They just signed a deal with the Bengals. They, it, the Clifton location, the one that I live closest to, in my opinion, is the best. So when you do come to Cincinnati for a road game, eventually make sure you stop at Ludlow and Clifton for a, for a five way and a couple cheese conies, whatever floats your boat. But essentially it's, it's spaghetti, chili, cheese, or onions and beans. You can throw a few things on there. It's a delicious meal. It's perfect at 12 PM, 3 PM, 5 PM, 6 PM, 3 AM. You can eat it whenever it, it always hits the spot. Uh, it, it hits the spot so well that somehow in 2013, the Smithsonian uh, listed it as one of the 20 most iconic food destinations in America. Uh, it seems to be very polarizing. So I live in New York City now. I, I lived in Philly for a few years, so I don't live in the Cincinnati area anymore. And when people bring it up to me outside of the uh, outside of Cincinnati, it's it's very polarizing. They can't decide whether they they want to punch me in the face. Or do they actually want to want to try it? And it, it seems that they lean towards the latter. I introduce everybody to it a different way. I actually don't introduce them to the chili with the with the spaghetti. We have we have a dip where you take Philadelphia cream cheese, add a add a can of the of the of the sauce of the chili, sprinkle a little cheese on there, a little bit of Tabasco sauce, throw it in the oven, melt the cheese, and just dip, dig right in with your tortilla chips. It is the best way to ease your way in. To, to skyline chili and really getting to to hone those flavors that that chocolate <laughs> that cinnamon <laughs> i get down with the dip i think you would I, mean, I think you can get down with the whole thing you just got to be open-minded lean into it go for it. it it's a great hangover cure it's uh and like Hummer said super bowl parties quick meals and the thing about skyline like if you go to japan and get a get a bowl of ramen they they have the bowl of ramen to you within five minutes like you order it comes to you you slurp it up you leave that's that's cincinnati chili you walk into any chili chili parlor but particularly skyline and you're gonna have your food quickly it comes out scarf it down get on with your day hey we've got the first uh ucf cincinnati agreement maybe here right in the chat line uh, as a ucf fan i'll be the first to admit that the chili is amazing the skyline is opening up 25 minutes from the ucf campus let's go Wow. Uh, spreads. All right. Uh, that was going to be one of my facts is that Florida is a state in which there are locations of Skyline Chili. Uh, my uncle was recently, he saw it on sale. I don't know if it was what, what grocery store, but he bought, I want to say close to 40 cans. He bought the entire place out, uh, the store, the store in his house. I'm like, good, good, good. But uh, I hope that's the last thing that us and UCF ever agree on. <laughs> yeah. I a shot in here. Yeah, he's taking a shot at the history, and and I want to get into some of that too. But um, I've I've been pleasantly surprised. You know, I was worried with Texas and Oklahoma's departure and the newcomers making their way to the Big Twelve that some of the rivalries would feel a little bit contrived and you know secondary. 
but Cincinnati UCF, that is sincere. It's raw. And I love how much y'all's fans argue on Twitter. And I think that's a super underrated rivalry coming into the new Big 12. Yeah, I got some strong feelings on this because uh, I hear some of the fan base and, you know, in, in our in our dark corners of whether you want to call it Twitter, discords, message boards, they're talking about, oh, let's kick UCF out of the Big 12 and bring someone else. I'm like, no, no. I love the rivalry. I love that we, we have kind of genuinely – built a hatred of one another that's not friendly right well yeah you come to Cincinnati and we're gonna treat you with respect we're nice people but generally I hate your school right I I hate everything that that UCF stands for I I hate taco fall right I really do not like that man as a basketball player I thought he was super overrated the only thing he was good for was making you have to adjust your shot other than that he was useless on a basketball court uh, I, I do not agree with that you know, they set in motion the, the, the Cincinnati run to the playoff. I think it's an absurd, uh, you know, what do you call it? proclamation. And it's, it's, it's awful, but I genuinely enjoy the rivalry. I genuinely enjoy that I hate playing them. And I genuinely enjoy that they hate playing us too. Their fans are weird on Twitter. Okay. They're just weird. They're weirdos. Their behavior is inexplicable. I remember during Des Ritter's senior season, frankly, the last two to three years of Des Ritter's career, they, they, they were like stalkers. They, they couldn't stop thinking about him, tweeting about him, every throw, every attempt. And the, the hilarious part was he always won. He just kept winning. He just kept winning football games, proving them wrong, and, and, and went down as one of the five winningest quarterbacks in college football history. So I, I appreciate and love the fact that they have to live with that for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and I, I think it makes for a good rivalry when things are relatively balanced. And so I I hope this doesn't offend what, I, what I'm about to say, but like you're both coming into the Big 12 at the same time. I think the recent success has been comparable, and we could argue and split hairs. I know that they have feelings about their 2018 season that maybe aren't shared by anybody who's not a UCF fan. Um, but both programs have appeared in New Year's Six games recently, I think the head-to-head is pretty balanced, if I recall correctly. And it seems like from a program resource standpoint, they're on roughly comparable footing. And that's why I think the next decade or so of them going head-to-head in the Big 12 should be pretty intriguing. And then you add in that, uh, like Hummer was saying, the fan base uh, resentment toward each other, you know, within the confines of the game at least. I think it makes for a great uh, storyline and great rivalry in the Big 12. So I'm looking forward to it. Genuinely good rivalry, and you've, you've got two schools that both hired former Auburn football coaches uh, that will inevitably turn out to be disasters. Ours has happened already. Theirs is in process. Yeah, um, we're familiar with him. I guess we'll that, that's a great segue. We'll go there. Um, so just for some personal context, I arrived at Texas Tech in 2012, and the football team was pretty mediocre at that time. I think they went seven and five that season, you know, nothing remarkable. And before the bowl game, I get word that our head football coach was at a restaurant taking a recruit to dinner and he left and crawled out of the bathroom window to take the job at Cincinnati. Now that version might be a little bit embellished, but he did get up mid meal and decide to, at the time I thought was kind of, and again, I hope this doesn't offend. He's leaving a power five job to go to a group of five job, it was a little bit offensive to us. We're like, oh, that 
feels like a demotion, even though Cincinnati was uh, winning more games at the time for sure. Um, so he's not very well liked around here. And then he goes to Cincinnati and kind of does what he does. And now I think most of y'all's fans probably don't care for him either. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us kind of your perspective on Tommy, Tommy Tuberville and maybe Rob and I can give you some of ours. I remember when they were announcing that hire, I kind of had the opposite feeling that you had. I was like, oh, my God, we're we're poaching a coach from the from, a you know, the power five or whatever was being called back then. Like we're oh, my God, a former national championship. I really didn't. I didn't know too much about him, to be honest. I wasn't sitting there, you know, watching every Auburn game. I wasn't watching Ole Miss. I wasn't, you know, and not really Texas Tech. So I was just pumped, right? Uh, so, yeah, I was pumped at first. And that quickly faded. At first is a good <laughs> description of Tommy Tuberville, yeah. Yeah, he – it was it – was, it broke the mold of what we had been doing for the past few coaches, right? We hired – uh, you got Brian Kelly coming from a smaller – from a from a, a Mac school. You had – Butch Jones, it, it broke them. It just broke the, our minds and got people more excited, had way more national buzz, had Cincinnati be taught being talked about in a much different way. It just, the man was checked out uh, nearly from the get go. You couldn't tell right away. You know, his first season wasn't an abject disaster, but recruiting was. You not start doing call, uh, car commercials. Right. That, that's when we knew, like, oh, he's here for his retirement gig. He's out here doing McCluskey right. Chevrolet. It was a golden parachute. It was a golden parachute. Yeah, I think that's why – partly why he was eager to leave Texas Tech was he had just completed year three, um, all three seasons, and in totality, like I said, it was mediocre. And he wasn't going to get a contract extension. He didn't want to get fired, so he takes a brand-new contract, you know, extends that paycheck for another four or five years, and – yeah, it's really kind of frustrating as a fan. Like you, you're so passionate about it. I know you all care deeply for your alma mater, and Rob and I care deeply about Texas Tech. So to have somebody who's cashing checks and doesn't really care is super frustrating. Um, he did win nine games each of his first two years, and so I feel like it wasn't terrible. But after that, it just kind of fell off a cliff. And I'm sure you all remember this moment, but when it really felt like it was over was that clip of him walking into the tunnel and – yelling at one of y'all's fans to go get a job. It's like, okay, it might be over for you here, man. Go to hell. Get a job. That was it. Put a fork in him. Yeah, that was a natural exposure for Cincinnati too. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we got – I feel like we got a little lucky to survive the Tuberville era because, I mean, Cincinnati football, going back prior to Brian Kelly, you know, it's it's not rooted in in crazy amounts of of history of, of success. Right. We, we had Rick Minter, who was OK, shepherding us through Conference USA. You know, um, then we had some you know, we started getting some some early success and, you know, we bring on Brian Kelly and he just blows it out of the water. And that's when Coomer and I actually that's when we attended the University of Cincinnati was during that that transition period. Uh, so that's what we kind of grew up with uh, in terms of being students and fans is is witnessing us go to the the Orange Bowl and, and you know sitting in the student section front row and you know storming the field and throwing oranges and and then Coomer uh, I don't think went with us but you know we went up I went up to Pittsburgh for the de facto Big East Championship game and you know getting getting to talk you know all the all the smack to the Pittsburgh fans who Pitt fans by the way are the worst uh, anybody in Pittsburgh who's a fan of any Pittsburgh team is is by far the worst fan. Uh, maybe second only to Ohio state. Uh, 
people can fact check me on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's probably a Wikipedia entry there somewhere. But that's, that's what we grew up in. And so Tommy Tuberville with, with kind of what he did to the program, leaving this in the state that he did, we went back to what we were used to, which is getting, getting a smaller coach get, or getting someone who was still working their way up with, with Luke Fickle. And I think, you know, we obviously hit a home run with, with what Luke Fickle did. Uh, but yeah, Tommy Tuberville, I, I think there's maybe one person, I'm not going to mention their name, who's, who's a fan of Tommy Tuberville still. <laughs> <laughs> well, by all accounts, Tommy Tuberville is very fun to go to a bar with. He's very fun to have a beer with. Uh, you know, just kind of a guy who you can easily understand how he would meet with an AD, meet with the president of the university. Everybody would like him. I mean, look, the guy's a senator now. He's got he's got the political chops in terms of uh, schmoozing and swindling his way into jobs he, he should not have. And, and Cincinnati was an example of that. And just very clearly checked out lack of effort. And and it and it played out the last couple of seasons. Yeah. He's well, good at that age bracket. Yeah. Uh, and just the like the, the circumstances that he got hired at Texas Tech, he was he was unemployed at the time. And Texas Tech is coming off its best decade in program history right after Mike Leach is fired. You know, I feel like it's a pretty good job to walk into at that point in time. And like like y'all said, he kind of mails it in for three years, leaves and then has the gall to like talk bad about Lubbock and Texas Tech and our fans. It's like, dude, we gave you I don't know nine or $10 million to pretty much sit there and do nothing. And then he, so he, he compared Lubbock to Iraq, like publicly. Um, and then when he was commentating games with ESPN, he was calling a Texas tech game the season right after that. So we had to like apologize. And all of our fans were pissed. We're like, we don't want Tuberville doing the color commentary on this game. Like it was a disaster. Is he the worst coach in the history of Texas tech football? No, no. He's not the worst, but is he like the the most despised? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know about that either because uh, Matt Wells is pretty disliked. So I, maybe maybe respect and like is two different things. People just yeah. I, I think people at least acknowledge that Matt Wells was like a nice guy. Yeah. Um, the on field results were worse under Wells than Tuberville, but people just don't like Tuberville the person. And then in between those two coaches who on the field wasn't very good was Cliff Kingsbury also pretty mediocre, but beloved here because he played quarterback and set all kinds of records with Mike Leach. So yeah, we've had until Joey McGuire who made his debut last year, we've kind of had three coaches in a row that struggled. Um, And yeah, Cliff is probably the only one with a, a favorability rating that's above water right now with the fan base, I'd say. Um, So yeah, it's been, it's been a rough kind of 10 or 15 years since the Leach firing, but um most, co- most coaches leaving your program is going to upset a fan base. Either either they get fired because they did a horrible job and they're upset about the product, or they leave the program like we've experienced a couple times where Brian Kelly goes to Notre Dame. Uh, you've got Luke Fickle now going to Wisconsin. That's, that's irk people, and you certainly see the negativity. But over time, you look back on it and say, that was a hell of a ride. Those were a hell of a few years. That, was, that, was, that guy was incredible at coaching football. There's no, there's no looking back on the Tuberville, Tuberville area era with anything of uh, anything but just pure cynicism and, and hate. Yeah, that, didn't we didn't we just boo Brian Kelly when he when he came back <laughs> <laughs> to yeah, celebrate a, the a loving a loving boo? Yeah, <laughs> um, 
and that's this is something y'all's recent run with head coaches I think is actually really impressive and so within the the remaining eight teams in the Big 12 I think some are very excited about the additions some uh have an opinion and mindset toward it that I totally disagree with. They like really look down their nose at anybody that used to be group of five and like, can't believe we're adding these schools. And I, I, just, I don't think that's the right mentality to have. And like, I've seen Texas tech fans look down their nose at Cincinnati's program. And I'm like, guys, they've had four coaches in a row win at least nine games. Uh, three of those four coaches have won 10 or more games. And to me, that's a mark of a good program. Like, if it's one coach who has a good run at a school, that's one thing. But if coach after coach can find success, to me, that shows that, like, the infrastructure is there with the program and they can sustain success long term. And so, especially the last five years with Cincinnati under Fickle, um, I think three 11 win seasons and then nine and one during COVID. And so, they probably would have won 10, 11, 12 in a, in a full season. I, I think Cincinnati um, – maybe right up there with BYU kind of has the historical aspect under their belt in terms of demonstrating that they're able to sustain success long-term. Appreciate that. Appreciate the feedback. I think that if, if this transition to the big 12 has revealed anything, it's that people are kind of, you have your experience in your conference in that region. And even when you guys put out the tweet advertising this podcast and what we would talk about, I looked at it and it was like Tommy Tuberville, Dana Beers and and Skyline Chili. And I'm like, oh, this is a look into what Cincinnati is potentially known for right now, at least on the internet. I'm and like, we're really gonna talk about Dana Beers. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but he, you know, that is that is something that buzzes and gets popularity and gets traction. But yeah, we do like to think that there's an infrastructure here that does allow coaches to succeed. I I think that is very much a reason that Satterfield left the Louisville dro- job for Cincinnati, knowing that there's a much more, he looked at it as a more stable opportunity, an opportunity where they are investing hundreds of millions of dollars in an indoor practice facility. They're transitioning to the big 12. They're going to be more financially healthy than they've ever been in their history with this transition and seeing that as an opportunity to build something special. Now, a cynic would say he's leaving Louisville because he's, he's one year away from getting fired. But I do think that there's real, things that Satterfield can point to in terms of high school football talent in this region. It's rich. Uh, you saw Luke Fickle capital, capitalize on the recruiting pipeline in this, in this area and uh, the recent track record of success, financial investments, and, and all those things add up to a, a place that you can really succeed in a big way in college football. You've mentioned a coaching transition a couple of times. How do you feel that coaching transition is going to, going to work going from conference to conference coaching transition you've had a couple of seamless ones but do you think you can have another and capitalize on the success even with so many draft picks over the last couple of years leaving the program I think the biggest thing to keep in mind with the transition is you know we do we have Ohio State in our backyard but they've transitioned their recruiting to a more national recruiting and that's what's kind of left that void open for the the coaches to come in during this transition period and and Luke Fickle I I would say this is still a transition he took us to this first year of going into the Big 12 he's left but he's so he he has sown the seeds of of UC is now a household name in these local high schools 
so with Satterfield bringing on and, and, you know, we have a, a nice size coaching pool. I can't remember if it was top 20 or top 10 in terms of our ass- assistant coaching pool that we just gave him with his contracts, like $7 million hired a GM for recruiting. So they're going out and, and having dedicated people working the local area. And they're also working it on, on a much wider aspect as well. So I think it, it lends us, it, it puts us in a very good situation to succeed right off the bat. I think the other thing that we have going for us is there is instability in you know what we're hearing with rumors of the ACC, right? And we have Louisville down to the south who could also be capitalizing on this, but you know that that's that's a negative for them. Kentucky is is just Kentucky. I don't ever see a world where Kentucky is going to be a powerhouse in football, no matter how hard they try. Uh, you know that's that's just my personal opinion on that. So really, the only the only big school that's that I think we're competing with in a, in a really large way for the top Ohio talent in a local sense is Ohio State, and they're not focusing on it right now. They're, they're going out to California. They're going out to Florida. They're going, they're going everywhere almost except the backyard. It used to be if you were a top high school football player in Ohio, you were going to Ohio State, and that's no longer the case anymore. However, our over-under is set at four and a half. Yeah. And so realistically, <laughs> realistically. I'm taking the over on that, right? i definitely taking the over. <laughs> I would say realistically, though, there's, there's growing pains that we're going to experience. You would experience it naturally – if you, if you were bringing a team that had people like Des Ritter, Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, you know, like a top five type team, we would, you would experience growing pains in a situation like that, in my opinion, just with the week to week grind of, of playing better competition and not traveling to Greenville to play East Carolina or getting that break against Tulsa. I mean, it's, it's just a different beast we're heading into. And then when you also factor in, okay, coaching change, entirely new coaching staff, a lot of new guys on the roster, a lot of, a lot of roster transition, new conference. I think it's, I think it's natural to expect and, and pump the brakes on expectations in year one. I think a, a great outcome for us would be qual- bull, bull qualifying year one. That's, I think, the, uh, the goal here to see if we can accomplish it. And that would be, to me, a success. That's another brilliant segue to something I wanted to talk about was just kind of roster talent at Cincinnati before we get there, we should have warned you about this. We're a very corporate podcast. We have like four ad reads to get through. So I'm going to get to one right now. We we talked about Skyline Chili, but when y'all come to Lubbock, whenever that is, we need to take y'all to a barbecue joint called Rahino Barbecue because it's the best in West Texas. I don't know what the barbecue scene is like in Ohio. I'm not going to cast aspersions against it because I'm, I'm not advised. But Rahino has everything. They've got ribs, brisket, uh, turkey, jalapeno sausage, brisket burgers, everything. So we need to get y'all out there. We'll get there early because the lines are long. We'll order ahead at rahinobbq.com. And if y'all want a sneak peek, y'all can give them a follow on social at rahinobbq. I don't know what if it's better the, than the, Skyline what, Chili. What, what are the – nothing is. What are the sides <laughs> like? Oh, they've got green chili, cream corn. Yep. Um, Mac salad, potato salad. They've got a bunch of dessert options now too. Like they've got cobbler sometimes. They they have a really big menu and actually like kind of rotate stuff in and out. So there's usually something new to try every time you go. It it really is good. I, I know like we're it. we're paid Te- to say it, but it's good. Texas barbecue goes hard. I, yeah. I told you guys before the podcast for people listening. I lived there for about six six and a half years in Austin, Texas. So a little bit of a different setting, but yeah. Regardless, lots of lots of good barbecue in that area. Yeah, they're. There's a ton in the uh, 
Austin Hill Country area too, for sure. Um, okay, talent at the University of Cincinnati. I was listening to one of y'all's recent podcasts, and y'all had a really good tidbit that I think uh, might surprise some people. It surprised me. Y'all said of members in the new Big 12 or the remaining Big 12, Cincinnati has had more draft picks over the last few years than all of them except Oklahoma, and the difference is only one player. So basically y'all are neck and neck with Oklahoma in terms of getting guys from college to the pros during kind of the latter half of the Luke Fickle era. Uh, from last season's squad, as I understand it, you're losing your quarterback, your leading rusher, and your two leading receivers. So let's start on offense. Um, who are some names to watch or kind of what's the plan in terms of replacing that skill position production? And then maybe we can talk trenches and defensive side of the ball after that. It's a start. There, there is a bit of a dearth of talent offensively. I would say the wide receiver position is where we have the most obvious holes to fill. There's, there's some big-time names floating around in the portal. One of them is, is attached to Cincinnati right now. I hope that that, that comes to fruition. Uh, but that is definitely the position that I think we, we are going to need to upgrade fast. Um, in terms of how we replace and how we replenish, the offense is going to look a lot different next year. Ben Bryant was the quarterback last year, and, and the offense was stretching the field vertically to Tyler Scott. Trey Tucker. It also featured two, um, well, one NFL tight end, Josh Wiley. Leonard Taylor is also on a roster, trying trying to make a roster, I should say. So skill position-wise, this team was was kind of stacked. And Ben Bryant, solid overall, a very polarizing quarterback in Cincinnati. Uh, he's being replaced by Emory Jones, a transfer from Arizona State via Florida, who has lots of talent is a tantalizing figure, um, but has I, I don't know that he's necessarily ever put it together for one incredible season, but the physical tools are all there. He looked, you know, he looks the part in the spring game. Um, it, it looked, it was a sure thing. You know, this is a guy that Satterfield brought in himself. So when Ben Bryant shortly after the spring game enters the transfer portal, nobody is that shocked because Satterfield's going to play his guy. And so Bryant ends up at Northwestern. So quarterback position filled, Offensive line, um, it's going to be it's going to be a running team this year. And I know that we're we're looking at at filling in the pipeline on uh, in terms of wide receivers, but in, there is going to be less skill there than there has been historically. Satterfield does like running the ball, based on what we've learned about him so far, and um, and so yeah, I think you're going to look at like a running back by committee type vibe with the team. You've got uh, Ethan Wright, one of my favorites. I'm not sure he's going to be the main running back by any account, but he's uh, a hard runner. I love his speed. I love his aggression. He was a running back two seasons ago, moved to safety, back at running back this season. Corey Kiner, a local running back out of Cincinnati who had just video game numbers in high school, went to LSU for a season and then came back home to Cincinnati. Um, second season now playing for the Bearcats. I think it'll look a lot better year here under Satterfield. Uh, and then we've got Ryan Montgomery, who's more of like a shifty back. Not necessarily... Uh, it's not top speed fast, but he's just shifty and quick gets into holes. And so I, to me, it's going to be a lot of running and a lot of short, short passing game until, until we actually see it replenished in the wide receiver ranks. How about defensively? You lose uh, a really good linebacker, some other skill positions there defensively. Um, is it kind of the same rebuild look over there? 
Less so. Less so because of what the defensive line looks like. You have Dante, the godfather Corleone, who graded out as, I think, the, the best defensive tackle in college football last season. He And that was as a, as a freshman. Um, he's going to clog it, clog, clog the lane and, uh, and be a, and be a run stopper for us. Um, we we're bringing back Malik van, uh, who's gotta be like 23 at this point, 24. Uh, he's got a lot of experience, suffered an injury early in his, in his senior year last season. So he's bringing it back for one more year this year, but yeah, I think the defensive front's going to be pretty solid. And I, 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 feel more confident in that unit. Um, Deshaun Pace, who's actually Ivan Pace's brother, um, is an outstanding player, plays a very different style of football than Ivan Pace, can actually make a lot of plays in the secondary, sort of as like a hybrid linebacker type safety um, slash safety, but um, reviews out of him out of, out of spring spring brawl are, are great. He's going to be a difference maker in the big 12. So yeah, I think, I think defensively it's actually going to look better. Um, the defensive coordinator Satterfield brought is very good, very aggressive, likes getting after the quarterback. And I think that matches well with, with the type of players we've got on that side of the ball. Yeah. That style of play fits in the big 12 as well. Um, so the big 12 schedule is a little bit unusual for us because we've gotten really accustomed to just playing a full round Robin and you don't really have to wonder who's on your schedule, but because of how it is now, there's a few teams that you don't get to play. Do y'all know off the top of your head, do y'all play West Virginia and Kansas State this year? We definitely are playing West Virginia, and I believe we are playing Kansas State too. Okay. Yeah, we play, uh, sorry, Kansas State. I don't think we play Kansas State. We play Kansas no, we and we play West Virginia. Okay. Uh, and then so it starts off a, a juggernaut of Eastern Kentucky. Uh, then we then we go to my favorite place because we, we own – whatever Heinz field is, is called now, uh, pit pit. Um, uh, and then God, if Satterfield loses for the first to Miami for the first time in like 16 years, you're going to see Bearcat Twitter. Just like can't happen. Yeah. It can't happen. Uh, it, it'll literally be like fire in the next day. It's like, he's gone. Uh, then we start, start big 12 play Oklahoma, uh, BYU, Iowa state, Baylor, Oklahoma state, UCF, Houston, West Virginia, Kansas. Okay, and the reason I was curious, uh, Kansas State and West Virginia both have All-American caliber interior linemen. So when you told me you had a stud at defensive tackle, that would have been a fun matchup. Um, you'll get Zach Frazier against West Virginia on uh, the last game of the season. So uh, for football junkies or guys who like to watch what's going on in the trenches, that should be a really fun matchup, I would think. Um Keep, I, I want I the fans. I want fans to get to know uh, Corleone, though. Like, if there's a if there's a name to remember, I, I want you to remember this name just based on Cincinnati's track record of producing not only draft picks, but when we do get guys drafted, they definitely they always turn into top five NFL pros, right? You got Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> That's Sauce just Gardner. how it works, right? It's just what it's just how it yeah. works. When guys get drafted, they just miraculously turn into top five pros. Tony Pike. <laughs> All right, don't fact check me. <laughs> but Corleone is the next in line for projecting to be one of those top flight NFL players. Okay, I, I love it. Um, we So for the longest time, Texas Tech had guys that weighed about 220 lining up at defensive end. And we finally have like legit dudes on the defensive line, including a pair of super senior defensive tackles. 
Um, their names are Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford. I, I know we don't have Cincinnati on the schedule this year, but if y'all want to check out any Texas Tech football, uh, I think they're both up there in terms of two of the best interior defensive linemen in the conference with the Godfather. And so we'll be following the Godfather if y'all want to follow our duo. But uh, they're they're pretty special. And like I said, they're super seniors. So this will be our last 12 or 13 or hopefully more games with them. And uh, we, we appreciate defensive line play on this podcast. We've got a term for guys like Corleone, uh, fathlete. Fathletes, <laughs> yes. 6'2", he's a fathlete. Uh, this is probably what I'm looking forward to most about being in the Big 12 is caring about the other conference members' football games. It is not fun to watch Tulsa v. East Carolina. Yeah. It's not fun watching two two schools play, whether they're doing good or not, in empty football stadiums. Yeah, so it's I'm, not fun playing them. I got to be honest. Yeah. When, we're, when we're trying to pursue those undefeated seasons, there's so little upside in that kind of game. Like, yeah. really, you're going into it. If your team doesn't absolutely demolish them and play, you know, perfect sixty-three to seven football, it felt like a loss. It felt like you know you're coming out of there with your head in your hands and. It shouldn't feel like that. Really, you just want to be able to watch games and say, did we win or not? And in the Big 12, I feel like we can get back to just watching games, rooting for wins, rooting for good play, and, and seeing good competition again. Absolutely. Um, let's talk facilities. Y'all mentioned you'll have funding for an indoor practice facility. Uh, Nippert Stadium is uh, truly historic, both in the Big 12 and just maybe in college football in general. I want you all to talk about your home field advantage and Nippert Stadium and maybe a little bit on the IPF. And, Rob, when they're done describing Nippert, I think I have a good Big 12 comp for it, and I want your thoughts on it. And Maybe you've got a Big 12 comp based on what they describe. But I'll let you all have the floor to kind of tell us a little bit about what a home game at Cincinnati is like. Well, starting in 1895, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to go that far. Uh, it is an old stadium. It's – I guess this year will be its official 100 year, or 2024 will be the the 100 year anniversary of, of actually having the the uh, concrete structure uh, finished, having concrete stands. Um, it's it's dedicated after James Gamble Nippert, uh, the money donated by Proctor's and Gamble. Um, if you guys want a little corporate history, that's Proctor and Gamble's headquartered in Cincinnati. Uh, but the atmosphere at Nippert Stadium, if you guys are going to come and visit, nip at night. It is magical. Uh, th- but what makes it so unique is that not only is the football stadium old, it's smack dab in the middle of campus. There are no parking lots that surround it. So people have to march into the stadium. They have to They have to do a walk. Tail- tailgates are just kind of like we tailgate on campus where you get a, a permit you, you don't even you can't drive your car. People just lug in their coolers. They set up their tents and they have their sign spots. We do have some people who bring in. They uh, they're able to drive in their their uh, tailgate. Uh, what do you want to call them? Uh, trailers. I know one one of our buddies down there has a bus where they've cut off the back of the bus, so it's it's a convertible bus, and they've installed you know like sleeper sofas in it with you know uh, fridges and in in um, in keg keg coolers in there. Uh, but it, it, that's probably one of the most unique things that there are no parking lots near it. It's right in the middle of campus. And, and when there's not a football game there, students are allowed to access the field. So you'll see students in there playing uh, tag football, kickball. And then in the winter, 
when it snows, you always get a snow penis. You know, so that that's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> right at the 50 or? Oh, yeah. uh, sometimes, you know, it's a nice 100 yard, 100 yard penis. Oh, all the way. Oh, horizontal. oh yeah. I got you. I thought we were erecting like a snow. More, more length, less green. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but because it, because the campus is is urban, the way the way the sound bounces off it, it has a hard time escaping. So it gets it gets really loud. Uh, the renovations to the stadium, it was I, f- I forget what year they were actually completed, uh, like twenty sixteen ish, I think. Someone correct me on that, but uh, they added a giant new press box. You know, we're shaking his head like that's not when it was. No, uh, I'm, I'm saying I'm not going to correct it. Like just keep it rolling. We when was it? 2014. I was three years off. I haven't lived there in a while. Um, either way, they they did a really nice job with with the renovating, adding you know luxury boxes, luxury seating. Uh, you know they. I don't know if you guys sell beer at Texas Tech. Okay, so you guys are normal too. Um, yeah. <laughs> we sell we sell beer also. So, um, in honestly, I just can't really else to describe it except it's it's really intimate. You know, because it's it's an older stadium, it's super small. There's not a lot of uh, seat backs. It's a lot of benches, uh, and honestly, it's it's one of my favorite places to to catch a to catch a football game. Yeah, but like I said, the fans are super nice, unless you're from South Florida or Central sorry Central Florida. Uh, South Florida is a little nicer. I don't know if you guys have been down there. Tampa is a much nicer area than Orlando. <laughs> It's smaller. It's smaller. You know, I think if people are going to knock the stadium, it gets it gets knocked for the size. But frankly, I I just love watching football games there. It's it kind of dips and concaves into the campus essentially, and you've got these cool you know contemporary structures surrounding it. It's an urban campus, and so it is everything kind of feels packed in on itself in a good way. Uh, very yeah. very walkable. Um, but yeah, man, nip at night is where it's at. So if you if you are going to catch a Cincinnati game, you want to you want to be playing playing the Bearcats at night. Get that experience for sure. And I think again, with some of the existing Big Twelve fan bases that are skeptical about some of the additions, most Big Twelve schools, besides Texas and OU, are fifty to sixty thousand seat stadiums. I think West Virginia, Iowa State, and Tech are all right there at sixty. I think BYU is maybe 63, 64. They'll have the biggest in the new Big 12. And then at the bottom end, I think Houston, Baylor are both kind of right at that 40,000. But it, to me, it's more about the feel of the stadium. Like I've been in Daryl K. Royal in Austin. There's 95,000 people, and there's not like a ton of energy in there. And so I know if there's 42,000, like at an overcapacity crowd at Nippert, and like you're all saying, the campus buildings surround it, that that can be an insane atmosphere and the clip i remember was the 2014 season uh teddy bridgewater and louisville are playing at nippert and you know they're like going through warm-ups or whatever and i guess bridgewater had played there enough times he kind of like knew the school songs the tradition all that and so he's like mimicking what the students are doing and y'all probably know what i'm talking about but they're doing some kind of like roll thing and then they lean and they clap or whatever and bridgewater's like doing that while he's stretching on the field with the student section right behind him and it felt like the crowd was like right on top of the playing surface. And there's a stadium very well known for that in the Big 12. Rob, you know where I'm going with this? Stillwater. Yes. I think I haven't been to either for a football game, but I want to go to Nippert and I want to go to Boone Pickens. And I think the feel would be very similar because theirs is also kind of 
surrounded by some other buildings and um, theirs, I think, is more like 55, 60,000. But as far as having the crowd right on top of the sidelines and everything, I think that they're pretty comparable. Yeah, and I, I don't know the stadiums as well as you in the Big 12, but I do recall watching some Oklahoma State football games and just thinking that their crowd was particularly special. Like, it just seemed loud and raucous there. And, and usually it would be tuning in for, like, you know, an Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game, right? That's what I'm typically watching, and so the environment would be special there. But that's an interesting comp. I'll have to check that out uh, to see if it if it reminds me of home. But, um, yeah, I think I think Nippert is a, is a special stadium. I think when you attend it in person, you get it quickly, and it's been it's been rocking pretty hard here recently with how good the teams have been. That's the other thing that that kind of makes it special because we talk about the Tuberville era, and if, if you go to a lot of UC, talk to a lot of UC fans, basketball used to rule Cincinnati. Like it, if you were to ask people born, you know, but prior to uh, two thousand six. They're probably they would probably say they remember Cincinnati as a basketball school. Like UC football was not on the radar. You know, Bob Huggins was was god of campus, and and that was really it. They they could have cared less that football even existed. Most most people, you know, they started getting good, and and now there's a whole generation of fans that haven't known UC basketball to be the powerhouse that it, that it traditionally has been, and so they they only know UC football as being decent, good, great. Right. And in, in, in reaching reaching the heights that it has. And so prior to 2006, I remember being a, a freshman in college or maybe a senior in high school. But we were playing South Florida and there was like three thousand fans in the stadium. It was an absolute joke. And ES, we had the Thursday night ESPN game. They, they actually put uh, caution tape in the student section to cram us in there so they could do a crowd take you know, to make it look like there were people there at times. <laughs> And uh, but those days seem to be behind us because even even with the sparse crowds that that Tuberville, you know, would would draw after, at, towards the end of his tenure, it was still not that terrible. <laughs> wasn't wasn't. And I'm going to I'm going to throw some shade at Houston because even when they're, quote unquote, projected to win the American Athletic Conference, they still draw horrible crowds. Uh, that's that's one school where I'm like, all right, basketball got you to the Big 12. Well, yeah, basketball and money, maybe. Yeah, money. <laughs> but yeah, nip it, nip at night. Turn the lights off. Just, it's loud. People have been drinking all day. It's rowdy. And then afterwards, head up, head up to Short Vine. Go, go, go bar hopping. There's, there's plenty of action around the city. Uh, head down into the downtown area. There's, there's a good entertainment district and over, over the OT. They call it over OTR over the Rhine. Good, good bars, good restaurant scene. And then depending on the time of year, maybe you stay in town, you catch a Bengals game on Sunday. Yeah, Bengals-Chiefs maybe. Ooh, last game mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah. Uh, What's that, the mayor of Cincinnati's name? <laughs> we have a, they have a mayor? <laughs> it's Patrick Mahomes, yeah. No, I think, I think the game day experience you described sounds very Big 12. You know, the one thing that we hate in this conference are 11 a.m. kickoffs because it does put a damper on some of the tailgating activities. But as long as you're 2.30 or later, you let people tailgate on campus. Uh, I feel like the tailgate scenes across most Big 12 schools are, are pretty good. And, uh, yeah, if you have time after the game, you hit up the bars. And um, it, it's You mentioned Houston. I won't go down that path. There's a lot I could say about Houston. 
but it's good to look at Cincinnati's attendance and go, okay, they have 40,000, 40,000, 40,000. Even when you're playing Navy and USF and Tulsa, and you look at Houston and they're playing like Kansas, which I know they're Kansas, but it's a power five school and it's like 17,000 or whatever. And so I'm glad that Cincinnati has a passionate fan base and that y'all are going to bring that to the Big 12. I think it'll make for some really good football environments there moving forward. Yeah, I think Hummer nailed it when he said that the the I guess the mantra of UC or the the driving force at UC was basketball for as long as I grew up. That's what that's what hooked me on Bearcat Sports. And now I look at the the kids who are going to school now and what moves the needle for them. And and if you say they put up those we have a buddy Neil Slayton on in Bearcat Twitter that puts out these polls. And they're all meant to just get everybody riled up and generally end up like 51, 49. But he put up the poll. Would you rather have, I think, a a football championship or a basketball championship? And in my head, I'm thinking that's like a 75, 25 basketball poll, just based on what I think about the University of Cincinnati and and football won that poll. And it just showed showed me how things have shifted here over the last two decades in terms of the performance of the football program, but also what Luke Fickle accomplished over the last five years with the program. I mean, the runs he went on just were incredible and have really cemented what I think will be a a sustainable football culture here here moving forward. Rob, I think that's all I have. Do you want to go into the mailbag a little bit? Let's do it. You want to tell them about uh, our friends at BHW first? Yes. Yeah. If, if if y'all get into trouble tailgating and maybe have a little too much fun, you can call our friends over at Barnett Howard and Williams law firm. These guys are sharp. So there's three partners. One is named Barnett, one is Howard, one is Williams. Is um, it Barnett, Barnett from uh, Love is Blind? I don't think no, so. Different, <laughs> different Barnett, okay. But you know they're sharp because all three of them graduated from Texas Tech twice, undergrad and law degree. Uh, BHWLawFirm.com, they handle all sorts of cases, and maybe they can get our friends in Cincinnati out of some trouble if they get into trouble tailgating in Lubbock someday. Um, <laughs> apologies in advance for the mailbag questions. They – tend to go off the rails very quickly. So some of these are going to be really stupid questions. You can answer them however you want. All right. This is the diversified lenders mailbag who aside from West Virginia is going to be their rival in the big 12. Well, I mean, we definitely covered that UCF will, will be a rival that that's uh, that that's already set in stone. Uh Honestly, other than that, I think it, I think it's hard to say, right? We haven't really started playing teams. We haven't really had a chance to see what's going to get under each other's skins when when we play each other and, and what what kind of nonsense we're going to say to say to each other. Uh, but right off the bat, Iowa State fans seem to be obnoxious. Uh, you know, I, I just don't really care Sickle for Iowa Larry State obnoxious. <laughs> I thought uh, they were. I thought they were like a um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And when Iowa State was was piling on Central Florida, I just looked at that as as being simpatico and potentially being maybe a little more friendly with them. Although, for some reason, I do have it in my head, too, that Iowa State, for some reason, just could end up being a rival. I, I don't know. You could tell me if you think there's any similarities between schools, regions, whatever the case may be. But I think Central Florida, West Virginia are the, are the shoe-ins, where it's, it's very clear-cut. These are going to be two... Um, They'll, they'll turn into pretty legit rivalries. Central Florida is obviously already there. Maybe I think Iowa State's a good wild card pick, despite what we've seen on Twitter so far. 
Yeah, I, I do think, think there's going to be a good, split. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good candidate. Um, th- there's so until y'all got here, West Virginia was definitely out on an island by themselves, and a a contrived rivalry that I kind of alluded to earlier, the Riot Bowl, sort of emerged between West Virginia and Iowa State. They play for a, a gas can. It's not an actual trophy, but their fans kind of just made it a fun deal. And uh, they have, so this is a fun Big 12 tidbit. West Virginia Stadium was built like a year or two after Iowa State's, and they're the exact same stadium design, like same architecture firm, all that good stuff. Nice. So awesome. I don't think those fan bases actually dislike each other. I think they kind of like pretend to during the Riot Bowl. And they actually teamed up this year because Iowa State doesn't have baseball. West Virginia doesn't have softball, and so they're like they formed kind of an alliance during baseball and softball season. But anyway, all that to say, y'all are kind of like stuck in the middle of them, and at least in terms of like schools further up north, kind of in the Midwest area, I could maybe see something like the Riot Bowl developing with Cincinnati and Iowa State, especially if there's some, you know, shared recruiting battlegrounds in Illinois or something. I think both teams probably. Um, play in that region a little bit. So I think that's a good kind of secondary rivalry candidate for y'all. I, I, do, I do think I see one developing actually in basketball too, but this is all predicated on on the assumption that Wes Miller is going to absolutely knock it out of the park, and that's Kansas. Oh, Jesus. Call I just want, I want, I want to hate <laughs> Kansas so bad in basketball, oh, and I'm ready to walk in there and just beat the shit shit out of them i don't know if i'm allowed to curse on here but whatever i want to beat kansas every year uh bill self you know let's expose him for the cheater that he is and let's let's take him down what's happening right now a a wise philosopher omar once said come at the king you best not miss (laughs) oh come on wes we're fired up (laughs) i love that and kansas basketball fans are a different breed now they kansas fans are funny because like they'll start a campaign for their quarterback they'll start like a jalen daniels for heisman campaign but they'll misspell his first name and so they're like they're clueless in football they have no idea but in basketball at any opportunity they'll remind you that like they're the mecca of college basketball and they're like punching down at us and like we're Texas Tech. Like, you think we need a reminder from Kansas that, like, you'll have the upper hand in basketball? Like, just let us have one good season. You know, we made a Final Four run. We won the Big 12 once in that stretch where Kansas won, like, 40 in a row or whatever. And they're just, like, so quick to be, like, remember your place type stuff. And I'm like, we know. Like, y'all are Kansas. We're Texas Tech. We get it. But, like, their fans are not terribly secure in that. It doesn't seem. We have a lot of bravado in basketball. Like this is, I think we're probably going to get on people's nerves in basketball. I think that we, we, we tend to think of ourselves in a class that we haven't been in a long time, but we know we're there and we know we're going to get back there. It's just a matter of time. Like we're going to pull stats from the sixties. Like it's going to happen. Like Kansas, (laughs) we have more consecutive final four appearances than you. Like that's, that's just a fact. And we also did it during the John Wooden era of basketball. Like we, we did do it. You guys didn't. You might have invented basketball, but you haven't been to more consecutive Final Fours than the University of Cincinnati. Has uh, has Kansas ever gone back to back? I don't know that much about Kansas history, except that they don't have <laughs> more consecutive Final Fours. <laughs> since he did go back to back, correct? In that basketball? is that is true. Yes. So y'all, that's another feather in your cap if you want to use it. 
I'm not going to argue with Kansas basketball fans on Twitter, but if y'all want to use that, feel free. Yep. I'm going to wait till we, till we actually have some recent success to really, really try to flex those muscles. But that's yeah. why I'm just dying for West Miller. I, I said this to Coomer a while back. There's probably tape of it somewhere. I was like, if we get into the Big 12, UC basketball can be put back onto the map. And this is a lot of – a lot here needs to happen for this. But Cincinnati win put us in a national championship game in basketball, and we are back, baby. Like, we we have the history. If you go back throughout, you know, the 60s, the 90s, whatnot, and Final Four appearances, national championships, to, to get back to being what we all consider ourselves as fans at University of Cincinnati as Blue Bloods. We're not there. But a national championship, some runs like Houston's going on right now, and I think we we would start being in that conversation again because we have that historical presence in basketball. So we will become the most annoying fans on Twitter if if any of that happens. Well, and I, I'm glad y'all bring a full complement of sports because, as you know, Central Florida doesn't play basketball, and this is a big basketball conference. So I'm glad y'all are bringing both football and basketball to the Big 12. God, I love it. I love you. <laughs> Uh, I feel like you just answered this, but I'm going to ask you, anyway. what sport do you feel will be the closest to competing for a conference title this upcoming season? Well, after the arrival of Aziz Bendego, <laughs> it's no doubt going to be basketball. Okay. We're going to surprise people. All right. <laughs> top, top three restaurants, bars, breweries that we should visit in Cincinnati. Ooh, bars and breweries. Okay. Um, wow. Interesting. So, First, I'm going to point people to the Catskeller Social Club Discord, where we have a beer and booze Discord channel for a lot of great recommendations. Uh, we actually partner with a couple other podcasts, Go Beer Cats, Viva La Cats. But the Beer Cats podcast kind of specializes in that beer niche. So we have been learning more and more. Um, let's think. I, I for The bar I want to start with is Murphy's. I want to start with Murphy's Pub in oh. Clifton. It's hole in the wall. It's South Clifton, kind of off on its own island. But when Hummer and I attended senior night, the last game before COVID, we beat Temple on senior night. It was the, the last hurrah for Jaron Cumberland, Trayvon Scott. And we celebrated by going to Murphy's, playing Papa Shot. But beyond that, just really affordable drinks. Great vibe. Uh, it's, it's, to me, the best bar in Clifton by a lot. So Murphy's Pub is a must-see or must-visit. Hummer, what brewery would you start with? Well, I was going to give a little backstory there. For that that game, we're sitting there watching it. I, I think I got threatened to get kicked out of the game by an usher for screaming too hard. But I looked at Coomer like, you know if we went on a last-second shot, you're not going home right away. And that's what happened. We went on a last-second last shot. Uh, so Coomer had Coomer had to go out and, and get uh, get wasted with us. So that that was fun. I mean, I'm going to probably – the breweries scene, it's awesome in Cincinnati. You, you really can't go wrong. But if you're going to go to, in my opinion, I guess maybe to some of the, the OG, the classics, like I really like going to Matry. Uh, I think the vibe there is good. It's a nice big open space. Uh, but there's – is the more, this is how long I've been out of, out of the game. Yeah, let me, let me answer this one because there's – honestly, there's an obvious answer that we need to start with. You need to go to Ryan Geist. And you need to grab yourself oh, a Cincy. Oh, no. Matry over Ryan Geist. No, nah, you day. need to grab – Jesus. You need to grab yourself a <laughs> Cincy Light beer and support the Bearcats NIL Collective. For That's the a love really of cool God, Homer, idea. I love stop that. discouraging people from going to Ryan Geist. 
Ryan Geist is downtown Cincinnati. It's got ping pong, cornhole, great space, fun environment. Um, look, some different opinions on the beer. There, there. The pack of Cincy Light. That's what you you buy the twelve pack. Yeah, you buy the twelve pack of Cincy Light, no doubt. But if you like IPAs, their Truth IPA is fan, fantastic. It's the biggest brewery in Cincinnati as well. Um, I would recommend checking it out. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they they are now going to be funding um, our NIL collective to an extent. Did you guys get jobs after Tuberville encouraged you to? Did we both get jobs. I think we've covered that that you both have jobs. Now. We we're we're employed, gainfully employed, thankfully. Um, but I I wasn't until Tuberville said something, and it was then that I realized I needed to get a goddamn job. Uh, I thought about quitting mine. It was it was tough though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think we covered the rest of the answers in our uh, in our journey tonight. So oh, look at us. Well, I was gonna say you you had, you said three, I think you said, and there's a place that at for for the bars and restaurants, there's a place that is is also near and dear to to my heart that I love. It's nothing special. It's a, another hole in the wall, but it's on campus, and it's Martino's, uh, Martino's and Vine. I personally think that they have some of the best cheese and bacon fries, but also pizza fries. I think they call them. But then they have a buffalo chicken wrap, and then they do like pitchers of beer for nothing if you're employed. Uh, they 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 cost nothing if you're employed. Like they're they're so cheap. Uh, you know, sometimes they ID you, sometimes they don't. But that place is incredible. <laughs> Rob, I've got some lightning round prop bets since we are a gambling podcast and just for fun. But before we do that, is there anything y'all want to know about Texas Tech and our fans, our football program that would be of any use to Cincinnati fans? I, I kind of want to get an idea from you two what the expectations look like from from your perspective. Is this a season where you've got high hopes, lots of returning players? Um, what's what's the situation right now with where you're where you, where you are with football? I think Texas Tech is going to be really good in two years, but I think of roster makeup and super seniors and returning talent they have a chance to be good this year. Um, you'll take a dip next year, but I really do feel like if everything goes right, Texas Tech could compete for a Big 12 title. Now, there's a lot of ifs, and they all have to go right. But returning quarterback, returning running backs, returning wide receivers, returning offensive line, returning defensive line except for Tyree Wilson, returning defensive backs, I mean, you're pretty much returning everybody. Um, except for maybe your best player. Uh, so I, I feel good about this season. I Again, it all has to go right, but certainly as good as last year is the expectation. Yeah, you're, you're going to be really old for one more season. I think both starting corners, super seniors, like we said, both starting interior defensive linemen, super seniors, both safeties, super seniors. And then, as Rob alluded to, you've got some age and starts on the offensive line. Finally. A fourth or fifth-year quarterback now. I think fifth-year quarterback, Tyler Shuck, transferred from Oregon. He was behind Herbert. Then one year as a starter at Oregon, coming into year three at Texas Tech. So, yeah, 2024, uh, there will be kind of a reset, and that's where some of this freshman and sophomore talent right now, it'll be a matter of how well do you develop that. But I think this year's team – should be, I think, comparable to last year's, which was eight and five with a bowl win. None of the losses were really too bad. Baylor got out of hand late, but you you were a tough out even in a loss. 
and you weren't good enough to really blow anybody out too badly. I think West Virginia was really the only one in the Power Five, at least, that um, you were kind of able to pull away significantly. So, yeah, I, I think eight wins-ish is a fair expectation, and eight wins can look different. Like, there are some good teams that win eight games. There are some not-so-good teams that win eight games with a soft schedule or just some lucky breaks. But that's about where I expect us this year. And like Rob said, if you do get a couple breaks and that eight-ish turns to nine or ten, you could be playing for a Big 12 title. Or if it goes poorly, it could be seven wins, and you know people would be a little bit disappointed by that. But I think that ballpark is about right. Do you have a song? Do you have a song that plays in your stadium every game? Like a song that Texas Tech is known for in the football stadium? No, and I, I we have one that they should play. Uh, of course, you have the band that plays some songs. Uh, they should play Red Raider coming at you. But uh, you don't have like a Mr. Brightside or anything like that. This has actually been an issue for the past few years. Uh, we've been to some away games and the PA system, like the guy who manages the music at the away games does a better job of like kind of taking the temperature of the room and understanding like what would be a good song to play right now. It's a lot of like boomer 80s rock and it's like, don't stop believing isn't going to get the student section going right now. And like, yeah. you know, it's, it's a key third down. And so there are some other student sections, other stadiums that do it better. I, I think that they're listening though, to ideas on how to improve that, but yeah, we don't have a signature song or anything like that. I, I wish we did. Cause I think stuff like that has sort of been lacking in terms of a stadium experience. It, that reminds you describing the vibe and the music they're playing and just not really having a finger on the pulse. I, I attended the Arkansas game last season with Hummer's brother, actually, and a couple other guys and real excited for it. I, I typically love going to SEC games and seeing the vibe and the culture around these different football programs. And they've got the Woo Pig, which they do however many times during throughout a game, which definitely wears on you, especially as you're losing throughout but I, I swear the music selection in that stadium is the worst I've ever heard. I could not believe. I wish I had more anecdotal evidence of like what songs were being played. I just remember thinking like, you know, 12, 13 beers deep. What is happening right now? <laughs> why? Why are they playing these songs? Yeah. Nobody is feeling it. People are sitting on their hands until the Woo Pig happens again. That's yeah. that's the way they rally. Everybody was the Woo Pig. But. Good Lord, Arkansas. The, uh, yeah. The so, so Rob and I went to the TCU game last year, which was in Fort Worth. And it, it's one of the smaller stadiums capacity-wise in the Big 12. But they did a really, really good job getting, getting their student section involved and keeping them involved. And, like, they had to kind of coach them through it. But they had a guy basically with, like, his own microphone and speaker in the student section. And he would say stuff like, okay, students, it's third down. Like, get loud. And they would. And so, like, they were very responsive, and it was, um, yeah, it, it was scripted, but it worked. Like, it kept them engaged, and they did some goofy stuff. I, I guess every stadium does. Like, they did a really cringe sing-along, and they've got these guys that wear, yeah. like, purple overalls. And it, it was weird, but the rest of it was was pretty good. They have, like, this Hypno-Toad video, and I don't understand the Hypno-Toad thing. I don't either, but I love it. But but they go crazy for it, and so it, it worked. And TCU yeah. also have the riff ram boo paw zippity zippity. Yeah, doo, their uh, chance is kind of weird too. But Texas Tech, I, I wouldn't say has any thing like that. They have the swag surf. Uh, that's mostly in basketball. 
a lot of teams do the swag surf, but I think Texas Tech does it the best. Uh, but the football stadium, we throw tortillas at yeah, the beginning. That's, that's just the opening kickoff. Unless okay. you bring extra tortillas, then it's the I'm, opening. I'm here for I'm here for tortilla throwing. Yeah, uh, maybe the Texas game you bring a couple of extras, and it's the third and fourth touchdown too. But if you score that many, um, but the tortilla thing is pretty much the iconic Jones moment. There's not a Mr. Brightside or a John Denver kind of moment. We do have one of the cooler entrances in college football. And I say that unbiasedly. It's a live mascot. We call it the Mask Rider, and it basically basically looks like Zorro on a jet black horse. And it, you know, we fire off a couple shotguns, and it, you know, runs through the smoke. Now, last year's horse was kind of skittish, and so it was less majestic than in years past because he would kind of like or a gallop. Yeah, he kind of like scamper Trot. a little bit. Yeah, I like the some- idea of, of the fans in the stands. This horse, little yeah, little off. It'll yeah. replace this horse. People, you know how stupid college sports can be, and like how trying to explain a tradition to somebody outside your fan base, they're like, "What are you? That's so weird." But when they retired the old horse, like I definitely teared up a little bit, and like its last run was majestic. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Describing it to somebody who's never seen, it, they're like, "You cried over a horse." I'm like, "Yeah, I kind of did a little bit, like just barely." Uh, and then they bring the new horse out, and you're like, "Oh, this horse is a little bit wimpy and just but, frightened." Man. Yeah, uh, you know what so, though? He'll he'll grow on you. That horse will grow on you. I no doubt. So. He's going to step up every season a little bit. Add yeah. something to his game every year. No, I, I would I would like text my wife updates from the stadium on how the horse did every. <laughs> I was like, hey, it looked better this time. Like it's getting more comfortable. Or like one time it like refused to run. I was like, no good today. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we're we're working through that. But that, that's probably one of our cooler stadium atmosphere kind of traditions. Just the the run out with the horse and everything. Very cool. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't get the run. They don't do a run out with the Bearcat. Yeah. Uh, Bearcats are a real thing, and their pee smells like popcorn. Um, I think they – I thought they smelled like popcorn. Like just Do they their, smell it or just their yeah. pee? I like the idea that just their pee does. <laughs> <laughs> How do you guys know that? <laughs> oh, my God. All right, you want to do uh, some prop bets real quick? Let's do prop bets. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Okay, uh, something I've been impressed with – uh, going back to the Luke Fickle era and Scott Satterfield, Cincinnati's recruited at a really high level. I think Cincinnati and Texas Tech right now are both hovering in the 20s in terms of recruiting class rankings. Um, where will they finish? Let's say over under 25 and a half nationally. Do you all think he beats that? I'm going to take the over. I think we're going to finish just outside of that. I'd probably, I'd probably predict low 30s. I hope, take hope, there. hope I'm wrong. And, and that's where like the, the really good Oklahoma State and TCU teams and, and Baylor over the last decade or so in the Big 12. Of course, nobody's going to out-recruit Texas or OU, but if you can live in that upper 20s, lower 30s and stack classes like that, um, th- those teams have won you know, 10, 11 games in the Big 12. So I think Cincinnati Frank, can yeah. really well for themselves recruiting Frankly, that he's outperformed that so far. And so if he just continues on the current trajectory, it would go under. I think I'm just being, you know, I, I won't even call it a realist, just maybe a hater. I might be being a hater. <laughs> um, expectations. Yeah, I mean, we are currently ranked ahead of Wisconsin, which is which is fun. Uh, I would I would love to see see that trend continue because uh, the rumor is that Luke Fickle did not think he could 
uh, recruit in the new environment. He, he wanted to be old school and not have to deal with NIL. That's the rumor. Uh, and Cincinnati's like, oh, screw that. We're getting on that train. And Wisconsin will not. Good for them. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck, Wisconsin. Will Cincinnati play for a Big 12 championship in football in the next four years? I mean, you got to take yes on that. I mean, I, I can't go in here and be so negative, Nancy, but I, I think we, I think we have, we at least have the recruiting infrastructure to get us the talent to do it. So I, I would take, I would say, I would take that as a, as a yes on that profit. Brady Drogosh. How of house Targaryen. He's going to lead us there. So yes. Okay. Um, Will Nippert Stadium be at or over capacity every game this season? Yes. Yes. Over every game. I think so, too. Like I said, I was looking at it with the American schedule, and I think y'all would agree the Big 12 schedule is certainly more compelling, and y'all were pretty much right at 40,000, maybe a hair under. But if y'all have teams like Oklahoma State, BYU, whoever coming in instead, I I think it'll be a sellout every and that's where, again, these fans at Texas Tech that are like poo-pooing Houston and Cincinnati or whatever, it's like, yeah, their stadium is a little smaller, but they're selling it out, and that's more than we can say for ourselves sometimes. And so I respect that, and I agree. I think Cincinnati will sell out every game this year. I'll point it out, too. This this is going to be, I think, in my mind, a help for, for this cause. We do have a pro football team, Cincinnati, the Bengals, and they are really good right now. And so ticket prices for the Bengals are incredibly high. Yeah. It's a lot more affordable for a lot of people to go to the UC football games. Uh, and so I, I think you're just going to see, see more people opting if they're going to do one or the other. They're opting for UC football because it's less expensive. They can bring the whole family down. And it's still a relatively family-friendly environment. You know, you will see you'll see kids. You're not going to see necessarily infants, but you know, you'll see younger kids where at Bengals games, you don't want to bring your kids there. That's a terrible environment for a child. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and if if children witness that too early on, they're just going to, especially if it's Bengals chiefs, they're just going to become Mahomes fans for the rest of their lives. Stop. Stop. (laughs) Bengals have one of the coolest teams in the NFL. Yeah. I was about to say, if anybody's keeping with their quarterback, it's the Bengals fans. I can't help myself. Sorry. Joe Cool is pretty cool. Hey, Smart don't don't make us go get the LSU fans on you. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> um, gonna hit the gritty on us. We uh, yeah. We uh, we we took a look a couple weeks ago at every Big Twelve team's season win total over under, and just sort of had a gut reaction. I think we'll have a more solid prediction maybe come August, a little bit closer to the season. Cincinnati's at most books looks like it's five and a half. I think we kind of touched on this earlier, but over under five and a half, do y'all think this year for Cincinnati wins? Is this for total wins or just league game? League Totals. Total. Over. I think it's tough because the first line I saw was four and a half, and, and I thought that was kind of a slam dunk. There's three layup wins on the schedule. There's two more in there easily. Uh, five and a half, a little more intriguing, but I, I think we're going to be bowl eligible. We'll get to six. Okay. East Carolina, Done. Pittsburgh done. Miami, Eastern Kentucky, not East Carolina. We're leaving that behind. East, us. yeah. Sorry, East Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Coomer, do we play? Well, Coomer, Coomer voted on something. Uh, Kentucky twice, right? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, 
so that that's three right off the bat. Um, I, I think we can come in there. We're going to wipe Houston, uh, the floor with Houston. That's just how it works. I know it's always scary to say Kansas is, is, is clean up, especially if you're a Texas fan. Um, uh, but, but I think Kansas is, <laughs> is one that we can come in and, and steal that victory in, in Iowa state. I got no respect for you. We're, we're coming in there and cleaning, cleaning the shots fired. Riot Bowl 2.0. I love it. Um, okay, so how about phrased a different way? If I guaranteed you 6-6 six and six and a bowl game in your first year in the Big 12, are you taking that or rolling the dice on potentially doing better but also potentially missing a bowl game your first year in the Big 12? Rolling the dice. I'm taking it. Interesting. You're taking it? Oh, taking such it. a – Jesus, grow a pair. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to take mediocrity as, no, as just like – uh, as like my happy place. No, like at the end of the day, like just moving to a power 12, I don't want to, I don't think we should have UC fans in particular, any, any school should be like, Oh, I'm just happy to be here. No, we want to be successful. We're just and laying so a foundation. This I'm year we're just take, laying gonna, a foundation. I'm going to take friend. the, I'm going to roll the dice and say, let's go, let's go, baby. I, you're at that six wins total. You guys mentioned it before a couple other games go your way. Next thing you know, you're sitting at eight wins. Maybe you're knocking on the door to, to play something better. I, I love and respect and appreciate that mentality. I've also seen first-year coaches and first-year conference realignment transitions go horribly wrong for some teams. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I, I see both sides of it for sure. Like, yeah, I, I, under, I understand that side too. And, and if that happens, then so be it. That's why I'd rather take the gamble instead of the guarantee. You've also had teams come in and be immediately successful like uh, TCU, who's really good their first year and then kind of went down and then came back up and then went down and then came back up. That's been their MO in the Big 12, but could it could happen early with uh, Corleone. With Corleone, man, carried, carried by a DT. Hey, I'm a big fan. <laughs> so here's what I'll, I'll leave you all with. I'll leave you all with this parting thought. Um, Jalen Hutchings, the defensive tackle that I mentioned at Texas Tech, played a little bit of running back in high school and his huddle film is online. It's incredible. 280 pound man just running for 40 yards. Um, They gave him, they gave him the ball on the goal line last year and he scored a touchdown. It was awesome. And so if y'all have any sort of line to the Cincinnati offensive coordinator and can get them to hand the ball off to Corleone at the one yard line, we would love to see that. Okay. I'll make a, I'm I'm making a note and we'll pitch him. We've awesome. got, we've got that. We've got that connect. Awesome. Well, uh, Rob, any final thoughts? Uh, you said it all coach. <laughs> awesome. Well, <laughs> thank you all so much for coming on the podcast. We're excited to have Cincinnati in the big 12 and a little bit disappointed. We don't get to play this year because I think Nippert is on our bucket list of away games and y'all seem like a fun fan base to tailgate with and party with. So we will cross paths eventually. We look forward to that day, but until then, Best of luck in your first season, and I guess we'll see you on Twitter and stuff throughout the offseason. We will. Don't, we don't sleep enjoy on the, the work, fellas. Don't, don't sleep on, on Fifth Third Arena, man. It's, an, it's oh, another fun venue to watch watch a, I, watch a sporting event. I heard y'all are going to uh, stomp Kansas there this year, so I'm not sleeping <laughs> on anything. Don't worry. We're going to wipe the floor. I did more. not have that on my bingo card. Um, <laughs> calling out Kansas. <laughs> Hey, I said I want that to be our rival. Like that's a that's aspirational. Yeah, I don't think that's what you said. <laughs> awesome. Well, we enjoyed it, guys. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, good luck this year.
Appreciate it, fellas. Yeah, appreciate it. Take care.